Welcome to the Agency Profit Podcast, a show dedicated to going deep space on agency operations, which is just as nerdy as it sounds. I'm your host, Marcel Petipoff. I'm the CEO of Parakeeto, a firm that helps digital and creative agencies measure and improve their profitability. Join me as I interview some of the smartest thought leaders and agency owners in our space and go deep into operations and metrics and all the other things you need to get right so you can spend less time worrying about operations and more time executing on your vision. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Agency Profit Podcast. I'm excited today to be joined by a seasoned recruiter, somebody who's been in the recruiting and talent acquisition game for over 10 years. They recently published a book called Hire to Win, The Manager's Practical Guide to Attracting and Interviewing Top Talent. Uh, here to talk about how to get talent acquisition right, we have Tatiana Cure. Tatiana, thanks for making some time for us today. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm excited to dig into this conversation. As we record this, it's July 18th, 2022. And it's been a crazy couple of years when it comes to the talent market. We've seen a lot of things shift and change. I'm sure there's a lot of people who are listening to this thinking, uh, I don't even really know kind of if it's an employer's market or employee's market anymore. That pendulum seems to be swinging around a little bit right now. So I'm very excited. This is topical and timely. But before we get into any of that, I want to give you a chance to, in your own words, describe what you do and who you serve. Sure. Yeah. So I consider myself as someone who tries to uh, achieve business results through talent strategies, right? So recruiting is certainly kind of the, the first big piece, but then it's kind of further than that. It's looking at learning and development, career development, career growth, succession planning, and so forth. Um, and I try to serve the hiring managers who or managers who are looking to achieve these business results. Uh, right now, I um, am I work internally for a uh, technology company uh, within logistics and freight industry. That's my full time job. But by night, I put on my superhero cape on and I try to serve any entrepreneur who is looking to to maybe make their first hire or looking to expand their team. Um, or someone who has been hiring in the past and, like you said, realized, you know, the market is changing. I need to change my talent strategies. So I'm, I'm here to help them as well. Amazing. So what I want to start this conversation with today is really getting clear on what it is that we're actually talking about. Um, you know, I do not know a lot about HR and hiring and recruiting. And when I think about recruiting, I immediately think about this more direct, almost like a direct sales strategy to go find candidates, reach out to them directly, pull them in. How is that or is that different at all from hiring? Like, how do you think about and categorize this whole process of getting the right people into the business? And what are some of the nuances there we should be aware of as we dive into today's conversation? Yeah, so I think the way that you described it is, is spot on. You don't have to hire every single person that you attract or recruit, but you have to have a, a funnel at the top. The top of the funnel has to be quite large for you to be able to identify the right person short term and long term, right? So you may have a really great person who's attracted to you or you attract or, or you went out and sourced them or recruited them. 
but it's not a, a good fit long term for whatever reason. And that's okay. And you may not hire them, but you may decide, you know, I, I really like them and I want to keep them in my pipeline, right? And maybe in the future, I'll, I'll reach out to them with, with a role. Um, so there are two different, two different components. I actually also like to think about it almost like similar to sports. You want to create like the, the best team, right? So you might not have a team of all quarterbacks. You may not have a whole team of all defense players either, right? Like you need to have a good mixture. So you need to know who's on your team currently, where are the gaps, what are the challenges and where are you looking to go? So you can hire the right person to, to achieve what, what you're looking to do. Um, just by hiring another person who, who has the same talent may not achieve that. Now, the second component is like you, you, the technical skills are like a foundation, like you, you need that. That's like kind of like the entry point. If you don't have the right technical skills, then, then we shouldn't really talk at, at that point, right? Or at least like, let's, let's um, continue talking for the future. Um, but the other component is you have what, whatever organization you're in, even if you're a sole proprietor, uh, your organization has some sort has some sort of DNA, has something that makes it unique and special. And some companies call it culture, some companies call it whatever whatever they want to call it. But but every time you hire someone else to the team, it disrupts that, right? So you want to make sure it, it disrupts it in a positive way. Someone brings something positive to the team versus negative. So you again, kind of thinking about that. Uh, as you're as you're recruiting and hiring, um, that's something uh, certainly that, that's important. Mm. So, with that said, what are some of the key mistakes that you're seeing uh, firms make at the moment when it comes to their talent acquisition strategy? What are some of the biggest pitfalls they're falling victim to? Yeah, so I think long gone are the days of expecting, you know, you, you post a job and all of a sudden you get like thousands and thousands of candidates and you get to choose who you hire. And then, you know, you if someone declines, okay, you just move on to the second person or third person or fourth person because you have so many to choose from. Um, so, so that's the biggest pitfall of thinking about hiring in that way. So it starts with, um, you know, drafting your job description. In the past, you know, hiring managers would go on a job board, you know, type in whatever job that they're looking to hire accountant, and then they borrow someone else's job and, and here you are, and then they, they post uh, their own. So that kind of uh, creates a very vague job description. So it, it attracts a very um, large, you know, pool of candidates with a high, it casts a wide net. So you're, you're starting to uh, waste time from the beginning, right, of just uh, talking to candidates who, you know, apply to a very vague job. Again, that doesn't even happen anymore, but that's kind of the, the biggest uh, the biggest pitfall where they start is just uh, crafting the job description of not really thinking about what are the challenges that they're looking to solve and what are the skills necessary to, to solve that challenge, thinking about those questions that candidates are going to ask anyway, you know, like what does the career path look like for this role and so forth, like no longer a candidate's going to accept the answer, well, well, I'm just looking for someone to take over my job at some point, okay, like that they're, they're not going to be okay with that anymore, right? So that's the biggest pitfall of the job descriptions, then it's kind of the interview process, right? No longer are the candidates 
willing to interview for 12, 15, you know, steps in the interview process and like not knowing what it looks like, you know, that they're expecting the transparency up front and they're certainly expecting a fast turnaround, right? Like if it takes two weeks for them to, to for, for them to hear back from you, they're probably going to lose interest by that point. Um, and of course, when you're sending an offer, um, no longer are they, ex- you know, excited just by a bigger and bigger paycheck. They're going to ask more questions. They're going to ask what it, you know, what does the, the benefits package look like? What's the flexibility? What's the life work balance? What's the diversity, equity, and in- inclusion initiatives that your organization has? Um, and then, you know, it, it, they, they may even ask, okay, you know what? I actually want to have a reverse interview. I want to ask you questions, right? Where in the past, can, you know, hiring managers would interview for, they will schedule 30 minute interviews. And for 28 minutes, they're interviewing the candidates and say, okay, for the last two minutes, do you have any questions? No longer is that, is that going to be viable? Yeah. So I, the big theme here sounds like it's, it's just a, a massive shifting of leverage where, you know, in the past we held the keys with the job and we just assumed that everybody really wanted that job badly enough that they would jump through all these hoops. And, and to a large extent, it was about qualifying who was going to be christened with this job, who was going to be given this, this Holy grail of a job. And, you know, certainly this has been my experience recently in recruiting the power dynamic in that hiring conversation is far more balanced. It, it probably is, you know, at the moment as we record this um, in favor of the employee, especially if they're top talent, and it's going to index far more towards feeling like we're trying to sell them on joining us as opposed to them trying to sell us on being the right fit. Um, and so, yeah, that can upend a, a talent strategy that has been predicated on the idea that there's going to be all of this leverage for the employer in that process. And if it's not adapting to that, then I would agree it's going to create some some significant challenges. So. With that said, what are, in your opinion, some of the key tenants to an effective talent strategy in today's climate? Uh, well, so the talent strategies is, is quite broad. So are we talking about talent acquisition or just a talent strategies in general? Well, that in and of itself is kind of a, an initial strategic, I guess, observation, right? Is there, there's strategies required for both like acquiring the interested parties, but then it sounds like there's other things to consider uh, throughout that life cycle. So maybe we start there. What are kind of the key components of the life cycle of bringing somebody into the company and ideally making that a successful long-term fit? Yeah. So again, it all starts with creating a job description. So what, what I have found is um, a, a lot of times hiring managers uh, in the past, at least, they would hire based on gut feelings like, oh, I feel like this person is going to do great in this job. Well, what is it based on? A lot of it is based on a either you share a lot of commonalities where it's like, oh, you know, you go to the same vacations or your kids go to my same school, whatever the case may be. Right. So you find th- those commonalities. And the second is like that person looks like me, right? So they, they may have a similar background to, to, to what I have or I, you know, that their resume looks like mine or they physically look like me, right? Um, and now you really need to start thinking about what is the exact time, what is the roadmap for the business or what is the roadmap for the, for the team and what's going to get you there, right? So first you, you identify what are the technical skills, then you, you think about, okay, well, where am I willing to compromise? Am I willing to compromise or am I not, right? A lot of times if you're looking for a plug, plug and play person because you simply don't have the time to invest into training them, 
will realize that if there's no challenge for them within a year or less, even at some point, likely they're going to leave, right? So you need to start thinking about what what's going to keep that person engaged and interested in the company. So of course, that ties into the learning and development piece, career growth piece. And then if they leave, what's your succession plan? Is there someone a second in line who you can start grooming to take on that position. Otherwise, you're in that exact same spot of recruiting for that same job. And it's not a really great story of saying like, oh, that person left the organization because there's no opportunities to grow. So then you're hiring another person, training them for another 90 days or more uh, just for them to leave within a year. So sometimes you may say, you know what, I'm willing to, to give someone a stretch assignment I'm willing to invest in them. They're going to feel that we're invested in them. They're going to invest back in, in us. Uh, and, and so you're, you're going to be able to um, perhaps decide, okay, here, here are some things that I'm willing to compromise on, um, maybe on the technical skills, right? Like, okay, I can teach the, those things. You know, that, that's a little bit easier for me to teach versus having the right attitude for, for the role, right? Um, so, so you need to start thinking about, uh, what is, um, you know, what does the career path look like? How, how are you going to support them as a hiring manager? Um, what's the team dynamic going to be like? Is someone going to be rubbed the wrong way and, and will leave because you hire someone outside versus promoting them? How are you going to engage the rest of the team and so forth? Um, so th- that's, that's kind of where all those pieces will, will come into play. Do you want some free resources to help you measure and improve your profitability? If you do, then I want to tell you about our agency profitability toolkit, which you can grab absolutely free in the show notes or by heading to parakeeto.com forward slash toolkit. It's packed with training videos, cheat sheets, templates, and all kinds of other great resources to help you start measuring and improving the essential metrics that are going to drive better profitability in your business. And it's helped thousands of other agencies around the world do the same. So I want to encourage you to go and grab a copy of that. And if you'd rather get in the fast lane and just have our team of experts guide you through the process of measuring and improving your profitability, then I want to encourage you to apply for a consultation at parakeeto.com. And with that, I want to thank you again for tuning in. I hope you enjoy the episode and I'll let you get back to it. So it sounds like a, a little bit of thinking goes a long way in terms of uh, hiring in a proactive way and really thinking through the follow-on years uh, of that role what does the life cycle of that role actually look like long term and if what we talked about earlier remains true those questions are going to likely come up in the interview process and that leaves us in a position to do one of two things either not have a good answer which might cost us a good candidate or make uh promises during the interview process that are made in haste and that are probably not as thoughtful as they should be um, so it does stand to reason that it makes sense to have this whole thought process happening before we make the hire and really thinking all the way through it. And of course, you know, just to kind of plug things that we talk about a lot on the show, this is why forecasting resource planning is so important because if you need to hire somebody yesterday, you're putting yourself in a bad position, especially in this climate where you don't have nearly as much leverage. So the further out ahead of that hire, you can start to get visibility that there might be a need, the more this kind of stuff um, is realistic to be doing and setting yourself up for success. So that sounds like a pretty central idea that I could see how that certainly helps with writing a clearer job description, creating a better hiring process, creating better, you know, checks and balances during the interview process to make sure that the candidate is, is the right one, as well as kind of the follow on. What are the other or any other aspects that we should be kind of considering at each stage in terms of like attracting, converting, and then retaining that talent? 
Um, yeah. So in terms of attracting, right? So I'm so sorry to, to be probably a dead horse here, but but right and right in the job description, the more detailed you are, you know, what does success look like in three months, six months, 12 months, the more you're going to attract the right candidates. And that actually what I have found has helped in terms of diversity hiring as well, because um, you know, typically there's like, you know, minorities, including women will typically look at a job description that says like things like, you know, needs to be an Excel expert. Well, they'll say, I'm not an Excel expert, so let me not apply. But if you say what an Excel expert actually means in your organization, okay, you need to do pivot tables and be lookups, then they'll say, oh, you know, what? I can do that. Okay, like, let me apply. So it actually helps them more uh, forthcoming you are all the way in the job description, the, the more helpful it is. Then when you start thinking about who's going to, who you're going to involve in, in the interview process, who's going to assess those skills, um, you're going to be much better prepared versus pulling in like, hey, Susie, can you interview this person? Hey, John, can you interview this person? Now you can have like a proper kickoff, right? And say, okay, so I'm going to have these five steps. These are the five people who are going to help me assess the the, um, the skills that I'm looking to, to uh, assess. And Susie, you're, you're an Excel expert, so I'm going to have you um, really dive deep in the Excel skills and really talk about a case study, talk about an example, uh, go through um, go through specific scenarios. Okay, John, you're your culture carrier, so I'd like you to really focus on our company values and company culture and, and um, you know, really behavioral questions and so forth. Um, so the more you, you're prepared up front, the better you are in the interviewing process. And to your point, when it comes to extending an offer, the more information that you have, right, the candidate will say, well, you know, I noticed that, you know, 12, in 12 months, this is what success looks like. And, you know, what, what does the career path look like if I am successful in 12 months? then you can actually use that in your, uh, you know, extending an offer to that person, right? So you're not just extending the dollar amount, you're now saying, look, like we've talked about XYZ throughout the interview process. And, and let me reiterate what that looks like in our organization to get their interest continue to be high uh, within the company. So the more you are prepared upfront, the better you are the entire way. In fact, I will say like one of the most common analogies I, I talk about that the kind of the uh, the recruiting intake that then guides you to create the job description, that guides you to create the interview process and so forth, is like the directions on top of that box of furniture that you bought from like Ikea. If you don't use that, okay, you can, you can try to put it together and then you can like come to all the way to the end and say, oh my gosh, I have this like five extra screws. Where does it go? <laughs> yeah. And then you have to start from scratch, right? Um, so the more you actually follow the directions up front, the more likely you are to have like a great IKEA table, right? Or IKEA furniture. So the more you are likely to have a good hire from the start versus kind of flying by the seat of your pants and hoping it works out, this way actually will work out. Some some great points there. I, and I want to just kind of rapid fire here towards the end to, to get through a couple of things. Um, you know, that adaptation to the new way of working and virtual, the virtual reality that we all live in now um, is relevant. Um, and I do strongly believe that it's important to have some kind of a shared remarkable experience um, towards the beginning of your employment with a new company so that you feel bonded in some way. Um, you know, this is kind of human nature that 
people tend to bond over these experiences that they share with one another that are remarkable and unique and that other people outside of that circle are not going to understand whether those are terrible experiences, unfortunately, or really positive, hopefully in this case, very positive experiences that are somewhat cathartic and unique. So finding a way to ar architect that into the onboarding process, I really believe is important among, of course, all these other things. One of the things I'm curious about, I really strongly believe in it. Um, we almost never recruit without a test project, a paid test project, mind you, as part of the recruiting process. So we offer the candidate a consulting rate. It's usually a couple hours of work that they can do in the evenings or over a weekend. And it really gives everybody a sense of what does the actual work feel like to do and what is it like to work with us? And, you know, we have had some candidates say, like, at first, I kind of thought that this test project was a little much, but after going through it, I felt like way more confident or way less confident that this was the right fit for me. And so it really has achieved our goals. What are your thoughts on test projects? I guess I've, I've biased the shit out of this question, but um, I'll ask it anyway, given that you have far more experience with this and maybe I have had an unrealistic small sample of experience with that. Yeah. So one, I will say I'm pro test projects hundred percent, especially when it comes to assessing technical skills, it's much better to, to create a project to assess Excel, for example, versus saying like, oh, what would you do with this Excel situation? Right. Um, so I, I'm very much pro any sort of case studies. And, and the, and the second, I think you guys are um, ahead of the curve to recognize that the candidate is investing their time. Um, so you're willing to pay for it versus asking them to volunteer for it. Um, and I think that's where a lot of companies uh, really have a miss where, you know, th they will create a two hour project or more. It could be even a full day. I've seen full day projects. Um, and, and it's expected from the candidate to do that. And, and that's just not realistic. You'll have a, a really big drop off uh, of candidates. Uh, but if you a, either, you know, have a really timed project for 30 to 60 minutes or pay them, um, that that's the best approach. Yeah, I think, it, you know, it makes sense because I don't want to set the precedent that I don't value somebody's time initially. I certainly, if I was a candidate, I would feel super uncomfortable with that. And I would feel like my time was not being valued, which is one of my biggest pet peeves, <laughs> which is unfortunate because I sell my time um, as a career. And so I, I get ticked off a lot, but um, I digress. One other thing I want to ask about is, you know, benefits and compensation. This has surely been the, a lot of the talk around some of the recent changes in the market. And I think a lot of people have seen compensation go up. And I think it's easy to start to get wrapped up in the idea that like, okay, we just have to pay people a lot more money. But my experience has been that great candidates, they want to be compensated fairly. They want to know that they're getting compensated for where they are in the talent pool, their level of experience. But generally, to your point, they're valuing other things more, cultural fits, flexibility, styles of working. And ultimately, they just want to know that for the whatever it is, 40 hours a week that they're working, they don't feel uncomfortable and out of alignment with their values. Because I think anyone with experience knows that that is far more taxing than the volume of work or the intensity of the works. Um, the, the context of that work matters a lot to them as well. What are some of the other non-financial, maybe compensation or cultural things that you've seen have a really outsized impact um, in the current climate? Yeah, so one, I think, is the long-term incentives, right? So i.e. equity or, or, or so forth, especially if the, if the candidate really believes in the product and that's why they're joining. Um, second is the ability to grow uh, either personally or professionally. 
uh, within the company. So sometimes companies will have, you know, tuition reimbursement or like some startups uh, um, that I uh, looked at uh, was there was one company that, that really created kind of this program where there's skill shares between, you know, if an HR person is partnered with an accountant and there's like a specific skill share um, um, prompt and then you're like, oh my gosh, like I, I just learned something from the accountant. I'm going to put it into my practice. So so they that company really created this environment and this culture of learning, constantly learning. And I think that's something that's really important to candidates. Um, and then it's, it, it could be such small um, and I shouldn't say small um, uh, benefits, but but it's low cost benefits to the organization with high rewards. So, for example, you know, there, there's a huge uh, focus on mental health. So if a company has something around mental health, even if it's like, you know, we're going to give you this subscription again, the, the candidates look at it as, OK, so then this company really values um, mental health. Uh, what, what I have seen in the past, too, in my previous company at Liumi, we had this amazing package for um, uh, for moms or having a new child added to, to your family, right? So we, we sent like a baby box and a mom box and we had a coach to help the mom kind of transition back to the workforce. And that it, it's not a huge cost to the company, but for that one person that it actually makes an impact, they become the biggest advocate, the biggest recruiter for the company um so 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 those things really really help out um in the recruiting process uh, i would tend to agree like we've recently gone through this process a few times and the things that our team is really valuing in an outsized way are yeah the fact that we do cover mental health and it's, it's not a lot it's a few hundred bucks a year in the insurance plan but we paid extra for that plan because they said it was important to them um, we have an unlimited book budget for personal development books and you know that might cost us a uh, hundred dollars a year per employee it's really not a big expense but um, i think what it does to your point is it signals what we value we're willing to make investments it doesn't really matter how big those investments are but it signals that we value those things and it also creates this cultural encouragement that it's like it's okay for you to deploy your time against these things and to spend money on these things because we understand um, that they're valuable to everyone. You know, it's going to benefit us, and of course, it's going to benefit the employees. So, um, I couldn't agree more. Uh, so much of this just comes back to like really listening, because I wouldn't have thought that you know, like a three hundred dollar a year <laughs> allocation of mental health services, which is really a drop in the bucket, was going to have such a huge impact on like the perception that our team has about us valuing their mental health. I think that's really what it what it says to them, um, and that has been really important for us too. Yeah, that that's great. And I will say, like, it it uh, it could be related to to anything, right? It's the company the company holidays that you follow of like adding one extra holiday. What does that actually cost? And all of a sudden, it's is that signal or like, you know, allowing the employee to take their birthday off? Like, oh my gosh, like it's a huge signal that you value that, right? So, um, the more you listen to what's important to your employees, uh, and then really kind of um, create your benefits package. Uh, the more it's going to um, resonate with them and resonate with the right candidates in the future. Well, Tatiana, I really appreciate the conversation that we've had today. I think this has been really insightful. And, you know, my big takeaway is really about thinking all the way through the life cycle of a person's um, time at the company and what their career path could look like and really using that thoughtful strategy to inform everything that's going to actually be tactically implemented when it comes to attracting and converting and retaining them. Um, so with all of that, I'm sure there's lots more insight in your book and on your website. Where can people go to kind of dig deeper into your thought leadership? 
Sure. So you can get my book on Amazon, Hire to Win. Uh, you can uh, follow me on uh, my um, uh, my webpage, howtowintalent.com. There's a lot of free tools there and we're going to continue to add more. Um, and of course, connect with me on LinkedIn. I think uh, that's a great way to, to kind of share best practices and you'll see what I'm doing. I'll see what you're doing <laughs> and so forth. Um, and email me at Tatiana, howtowintalent.com. Sounds good. So if you're listening to the show, these will all be in the show notes, links to the book, Tatiana's website, as well as her LinkedIn profile. And with that, Tatiana, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate you making the time. Thank you for having me again. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you've ever found yourself thinking, man, I get so much value from this podcast. I wish there was something I could do to return the favor. Well, today's your lucky day because you can leave us a review wherever you're listening to this. And it is incredibly helpful. Of course, if you haven't grabbed a free copy of the Agency Profit Toolkit, go and get that. It's got tons of free resources to help you improve your profitability. If you're looking to get in the fast lane and get help from experts to improve your profitability and measure your most important metrics, then apply for a consultation at parakeeto.com. We'd love to chat with you and figure out how we can help. With all of that, thank you so much for being a listener, and we will see you on the next episode.